0: Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, November 30th. Well, the Titans-Colts game started out like a Big 12 shootout, but finished like an SEC championship blowout. The Titans scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, and the Colts then answered each time with touchdowns of their own. So for a few minutes, it looked like we were going to be tweeting all day about how awful this Titans defense was again, perhaps how bad the third down defense was, maybe how special teams screwed up another close game, and how the Colts would find a way once again to keep their foot on this franchise's throat. But the Titans went on a 24 to nothing run, fueled by the running of Derrick Henry and a defense that totally shut down the Colts after those two early touchdowns. Tennessee moved to 8-3 on Sunday and took control of the AFC South with the 45-26 win in Indianapolis. It certainly helped that the offensive line was mostly intact for the first time in weeks and that the best player on the Colts' defense not named Darius Leonard was out. DeForest Buckner didn't play due to COVID after dominating this Titans offensive line two weeks ago. And these two things were the reason why Derrick Henry found tons of space early in the game. He had over 140 yards rushing and three touchdowns at halftime. Frankly, it should not be a surprise that an almost healthy Titans offensive line and Derrick Henry were able to abuse a depleted Colts defensive line and that the play-action game worked extremely well off of that success. No, the big story was the play of the defense. And yes, I know the Colts lost their left tackle too. But during the Titans' 24-0 run, which was basically the entire second and third quarter of the game, the Colts had seven possessions. Not one drive was longer than 15 yards and only one of them was longer than four plays, and all of them ended in punts or turnovers. On those seven possessions, they totaled 54 yards on 25 plays for a pathetic 2.1 yards per play average. By the time the Colts actually did put a drive together, two full quarters had disappeared, and they were down by 24 points. They played a mistake-free football game on both sides of the ball in one of the most complete team performances of the season in one of the biggest games of the year. Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith called an excellent game. Tannehill attempted 22 passes at a 2019-esque 10 yards per attempt, while the offense ran the ball 45 times for 229 yards and four touchdowns. Henry finished with 178 yards on 27 carries, and A.J. Brown did what A.J. Brown does, which is turn short completions into long touchdowns and make big plays on third down off play action. Hell, he even returned an onside kick for a touchdown just for fun. It was the ideal game plan for this Tennessee Titans offense, and they executed it to perfection. Of course, personnel matters in the NFL, but so does coaching. The Titans got some of both on Sunday, and it means they are back sitting alone in first place in the AFC South. Vanderbilt announced on Twitter on Sunday, more on that in a second, that Derek Mason has been relieved of his duties as Vanderbilt's head football coach. Quote, we are parting ways with head coach Derek Mason. On behalf of the entire Vanderbilt community, I want to extend our deepest gratitude to Coach Mason for his many years of dedication and service leading our football program. End quote. That from AD Candace Story Lee posted around 1 p.m. on social media. First, I cannot remember any Power 5 football coach getting fired via Twitter, but this is the world we live in, and I guess it's much faster than organizing a press conference, distributing a press release, and controlling the time frame and the flow of information. I have said many times, I do not think that 2020 should be the deciding factor for any head coach in college football to either get fired or keep their job. Whatever you felt about a coach prior to this bizarro 2020 year is probably more based in reality than anything we've seen so far this fall. And many believe that Mason should have been fired last season. So this doesn't really come as a big surprise. Mason finished his 6-plus year career on West End at 27-55 and 55 overall and 10-46 and in the SEC. He went to two bowl games, and he did beat Tennessee three times in six tries. He is genuinely one of the best human beings I have ever covered in this sport that is generally filled with slimy used car salesmen. So, where does Vanderbilt go from here? How about trying something different? You are Vanderbilt, and you have to use your weaknesses as your strength. You cannot beat Georgia and Florida trying to play their game. You need to do something drastically different. The triple option, the air raid, a totally unproven rock star, or maybe a veteran D3 champion. Jeff Munkin at Army isn't flashy, but is simply a good coach, and his triple option would certainly be different. Lance Leipold at Buffalo is no spring chicken, but is a proven culture builder after winning six national championships at D3 Wisconsin-Whitewater, and he's got the best program in the MAC right now in Buffalo different, right? Will Healy at Charlotte is from the state of Tennessee and had great success at Austin Peay. And while he's totally unproven as a power five level football coach, he's a young rock star personality who creates buy-in out of thin air. It's time for Vanderbilt to try something different. In fact, a young, confident, wildly unproven rock star who creates culture out of thin air actually sounds a lot like James Franklin, doesn't it? And while there are plenty of things to discuss about James Franklin's tenure at Vanderbilt, he was certainly a different hire, and you cannot argue with the success the Commodores had on the field. Nashville SC's miracle MLS playoff run came to an end on Sunday night in a 2-0 loss in extra time to Columbus. The match represented a version of Nashville SC soccer that most fans haven't seen in a while, a team that didn't have much offensive possession, that had to defend its own territory for extended periods of time, albeit very well, for much of the game, one that took too many risks trying to be cute on offense that led to too many turnovers and not enough chances. The Columbus crew were the better team in the first meeting in a 2-0 victory in the regular season. They were the better team throughout the course of the entire regular season, and they were the better side on Sunday night. After a hard-fought 0-0 90 minutes, Columbus made two incredibly timely, long solo runs off of Nashville mistakes and, to set up two extra-time goals, the first coming in the 99th minute and the follow-up coming in the 103rd minute. All it took was two quick mistakes, and the season was over. After such spirited efforts and two playoff wins, especially from the stars on this team, it was certainly disappointing to watch on Sunday night. I honestly don't know how valuable, however, it is to linger on the disappointing nuances. If you want to be frustrated with Hani Mukhtar's poor showing in the biggest match of the year, that's fair. An ill-advised and poorly timed pinch on defense, an extra time, a general lack of juice in the attacking third, all fair. That's just not what I would recommend, nor what I think I'll be doing. This club's first season was more successful than any of us could have possibly imagined, filled with statistical records, on-field success, and individual awards. Needless to say, 2020 was a memorable first run through the MLS, one that none of us are sure to forget anytime soon. But most importantly, whether they like it or not, Nashville SC has given its fans the most important thing a new franchise can offer its city. Expectations. We are a soccer city now, and fans have gotten a taste of what a playoff run feels like. And that is absolutely invaluable for an expansion franchise. It also means the work to get better begins right away. College football was amazing on Friday with huge games in the Big 12 and the ACC, but not so much on Saturday or really in the SEC. Alabama cooked Auburn without Nick Saban because of COVID, causing even more clamoring about Gus Malzahn from Tigers fans. The race for Hugh Freeze just keeps getting more and more interesting. Texas A&M didn't look great at all, but still beat LSU with relative ease. Florida floated past Kentucky, putting itself one win away from clinching the SEC East title, and Kyle Trask one step closer to a Heisman Trophy. With that in mind, and considering that he was fired on Sunday, the best story in college football came from Derek Mason in Vanderbilt in his last big coaching gesture. Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play in a Power 5 college football game this weekend when she kicked off for Vanderbilt to start the second half of a 41-0 loss to Missouri. In what has been one of the most complicated, difficult, and stressful college football seasons that any of us will ever experience, This is the type of story that I think we all needed. It's a story that means a whole lot to a lot of people. Vanderbilt didn't have any kickers left on the team, so Fuller, the goalkeeper for the Vanderbilt women's soccer team that just got done winning an SEC championship, was given the chance to break the gender barrier in big-time college football and the SEC. And honestly, I'm not trying to be rude here, but I simply don't care about any of the complaints you have about this. I don't care if there wasn't an open competition. I don't care if it was a publicity stunt. I don't care if your fragile male ego can't handle a symbolic gesture by a really good dude who was coaching in what turned out to be his final game. Because you know who did care a whole lot? My four-year-old daughter. The two-year-old just looked at me all weird, but the four-year-old, the one who asks me, hey daddy, where are all the girls during basically every single sporting event that we watch together? Her face lit up brighter than that tree we've got sitting in our living room right now. Everyone is, of course, entitled to their own opinion. But I would say that if you are upset or angry or have any issues at all with a completely meaningless squib kick at a 41-0 game on an 0-8 football team, then you are sort of the reason that the moment was important in the first place. I know it's sort of a troll move, but the irony of someone being upset about someone else getting an opportunity ahead of other qualified options based exclusively on their gender makes me genuinely happy. I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to like you really can and if you have that mentality all the way through like you can do big things. Thank you all for listening my name is Brayden Gall follow me on Twitter at Brayden please rate review and subscribe this has been the 444 Monday November 30th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Brayden Gall, music by William Tyler.